BYU offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick was on my radio show yesterday. He talked a lot about guys like Gary Bohannon facing off against Jake Retzloff as BYU's potential starting quarterback. But also, he says there's one particular position group BYU's looking at in the transfer portal. We'll talk about that. We're also talking BYU basketball as they take on Houston. Got all the reaction ahead. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. By way of introduction, this is your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. And today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Make every moment more with our friends over at FanDuel. Right now, new customers, you get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started started today. All right, let's launch right in on today's show. And yesterday on the KSL Sports Zone, the radio station I work for in my day job, we had BYU Offensive Coordinator Aaron Roderick on the program. And a very good chat, as it always is with A-Rod. When he comes on, he is very good about giving uh, details to his answers while also not revealing too much and just being completely uh, an open book. And uh, as a college coach, you do have to have some quote-unquote mystery about you, and I understand that. But the biggest thing I took away from Aaron Roderick yesterday is that he pointed out that Gary Bohannon is coming to BYU simply for the chance to compete. This is not Gary Bohannon's job to lose as BYU's starting quarterback. He made that very, very clear in that interview. He also talked about the fact that he had very strong conversations with guys like Jake Retzloff after their exit interviews in December after the season ended and told him, hey, we're bringing in the best talent we can find with regards to having the best quarterback room top to bottom depth-wise that we want to, uh, that we believe we can. Now, I would... Uh, uh, issue my personal opinion insert that here is that I don't think this is BYU's best quarterback room just talent wise it's just it's just not dude. come on when you've had guys like uh, Zach Wilson and Jaron Hall who are in the NFL now and also got like Baylor Romney who is neck and neck with those two for a time when he was playing for BYU I'd be hard pressed to tell to tell you that Jake Retzloff Gary Bohannon on down that list make up a very talented quarterback room for BYU but nonetheless Aaron Roderick was very clear that Gary Bohannon was not promised anything he came to BYU with the expectation he's going to be able to compete for playing time. That's the one thing that Aaron Roderick said that he was looking for after having to sit out the past year and a half due to that shoulder injury he suffered at USF. But he also pointed out the fact that Gary Bohannon has something on his resume that no other BYU quarterback currently on the roster has, and that is a Big 12 championship and, a, and that Power 5 experience. The accompanying Power 5 experience that comes with that. Apologies for the, for the gaffe there, but the biggest thing uh, I thought was that it sounds like it's truly going to be a, a battle between Gary Bohannon and Jake Retzloff. Could somebody like a Cade Fennigan, Ryder Burton, Noah Lugo enter the fray? Sure, but uh, reading between the lines on Aaron Roderick's comments, I would say that I think it's a two-man race in spring ball at least, and we'll see what ultimately pans out in that regard. The other thing about uh, the quarterback battle for BYU is uh, they need talent around them. And he pointed out the fact that BYU, in all honesty, and he's right about this, I will back him up on this, 
BYU's best players, a lot of them that could have hit the transfer portal. There were rumors out there of guys potentially getting overtures from other programs. Uh, they stayed. They stayed at BYU because, as he says, they believe in what we're doing here. I think the BYU's offense has got a ton to prove this year, and I don't think I'm saying anything revolutionary when I say that because we all saw the struggles that BYU had, and A-Rod is very quick to point out the fact that BYU had a hard time running the football last year. He said that we didn't gel the right way, and speaking of, of the team, and it just never came to fruition really until the final two games of the year. And as we've uh, heard from Connor Pay on this very podcast, he pointed out the fact that BYU really kind of came out swinging in those last two games because they knew it was the end. If they didn't win, their season's over. So uh, I guess desperation makes uh, fools of us all. Is that the right uh, right terminology, the right uh, quote? But nonetheless, uh, really interesting to hear A-Rod talk about the quarterback battle. But then also, he was asked about, okay, what else are you guys doing with regards to recruiting? What are you doing in the transfer portal in the lead-up to National Signing Day and potentially in the spring portal period after spring ball ends? A-Rod said the BYU's offense, so his under his purview right now, has what he said, the quote was, two to three scholarships to work with. He said, we're going to be very judicious and Wow, I am struggling today. We're being very judicious and careful uh, with what we are going to do with those scholarships. He pointed out that the most likely uses for those, or use or uses for those scholarships, are along the offensive line. That was the one position group he said the BYU most likely would look to add via the transfer portal or other means. He he did not uh, specify that it would absolutely be a transfer portal pickup. Could it be somebody in the lead up to signing day? He said that's not necessarily in the plans right now. But he said if somebody pops up. Between now and National Signing Day, which is officially February 7th, if I'm not mistaken, uh, that could obviously uh, change BYU's plans. But he said they're being very, very uh, prudent about how they utilize those final scholarships. I think it's actually a very smart way to go about it because they can kind of let things ride right now because they do have the vast majority of their offensive players back. Their top five wide receivers, a very talented running back. They've got a pretty good core of offensive linemen as it is returning to BYU. So the thing is, I think he can sit by let things kind of play out, track uh, guys up until signing day, and then go through spring camp, go through those 15 practices, evaluate where BYU may be deficient, and then go out in the spring portal period and add two or three more guys that you think can come in and fill the holes where you see them in this offense. I actually think it's a pretty smart move, but yeah, offensive line. I've said it on on this podcast that BYU was going to target offensive line. I've also thought that BYU should look at running backs, and I would imagine that spring camp, if L.J. Martin and whoever else, Hinkley Ropati, etc., doesn't really stand out in spring ball, that running back very quickly could vault up to the top of the needs list, as it were, for BYU. And we'll see what happens on that front. But I really appreciated Aaron being so open about the struggles BYU's offense had. He was very clear that the offense did not live up to the expectations that he or anybody in the BYU football program had. He was very clear that it was a disappointment last year. And he knows that there's pressure on him. Uh, PK made a comment at the end. Just go have fun out there, Aaron. And he kind of had this nervous chuckle. He's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, we always know it's it's life or death for these guys. And that's the one thing I, I can assure you of when it comes to Aaron Roderick and the rest of the BYU staff, they know the stakes. They know the pressure that they're going up against, especially along that offensive uh, staff. Aaron Roderick and the guys on that offensive staff outside of TJ Woods and uh, now uh, Kevin Gilbride coming in, they are under the gun. They know that BYU fans, administration, Kalani Sitake, are all going to be watching them with that, that kind of that added uh 
I guess, magnification, as it were. And they are obviously uh, going to have to respond in a positive way. They've got to put a better offense on the field. I am very concerned that BYU's quarterback room could doom them all because I just don't see personally right now the option that is, yeah, that's the dude. That's the dude who's going to lead BYU to glory or at least get them to being a far more competitive football program. But uh, Aaron Roderick was effusive in talking about what he saw from both Jake Retzloff as a playmaker and also what Gary Bohannon, uh, what he believes Gary Bohannon can bring to the BYU football program. So uh, we'll see. I, I, I've got my issues with it, but that was Aaron's uh, main thoughts and main takeaways I took away from the interview. If you heard it, I'd love to hear your guys' feedback. You can drop them in the show notes below or send them to us via social media and or email. Or if you haven't listened to the interview, I would encourage you to do so. It's 25 plus minutes. I thought of a lot of good stuff and uh, anything else that pops up that I can think of off that, we'll continue to break those down in future episodes. But I will link the uh, interview in the show notes. You guys can go and listen to it uh, on your own or you can just search out DJ and PK wherever you get your podcast and you can listen to it that way and uh, get caught up on what A-Rod had to say outside of what I've already discussed. All right, coming up here in just a minute. It's a really interesting season, obviously, with BYU trying to wrap up this recruiting class, but there's a there's a kind of an underrated uh, element to all of this, and that is the preferred walk-on market. Now, and now, obviously, preferred walk-ons are guys who are coming to BYU without a scholarship, but they have made up some very, very important uh, pieces for BYU in recent seasons. I think I don't have to look at very far to point at a guy like Dax Milne who came to BYU and is now in the NFL as a former preferred walk-on. It's a means to get talented guys into the football program but also have the, the extra... Um, I guess, benefit of not having uh, guys all around you all the time that have to have scholarships. They can be guys who are the low-risk, potential high-reward options, and we'll talk more about those guys coming up next right here on Locked on Cougars. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel's been with us all NFL season long with the playoffs rolling on, my friends. There's no time to get, no better time to get in on the action than with our friends at FanDuel right now, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. It's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. You got nothing, nothing to lose when it comes to that, my friends. The app is super easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same game parlays, spreads, player props. Find bets in the new Explore tab, but may help you find a bet that you hadn't necessarily considered, but you want to take advantage of it, you also can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays on FanDuel's network as well. There's so many options out there. I could go on forever with all the different things you can do with our friends at FanDuel. So I'm just going to encourage you to do this. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. Once again, 150 bucks in bonus bets with a $5 bet. Simple as that, my friends. Take advantage of it now. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Appreciate all of you for being everydayers with us here on the podcast. Want to encourage you if you've not done so already, please sign up for our subtext community. It's a great way to interact with the show. I guess I'll tease ahead to tomorrow's podcast. I am scheduled to have Connor Pay back on the podcast with us, a regular guest throughout this past football season. He's going to be joining us through, uh, periodically throughout the offseason. We'll talk about uh, Coach Gilbride coming into the BYU staff, his early returns after uh, more meetings with guys like TJ Woods, how the new strength and conditioning staff is doing. But if you 
you want to ask questions of Connor Pay, I am uh, reserving that uh, for, right, I guess I should say, or whatever, the, the opportunity to ask questions of Connor on that podcast uh, to our subtext community. It's linked in the show notes below. You enter your phone number. You get a 14-day free trial. It's as simple as interacting with the show via text messages on your phone. It's an awesome way to support the podcast, but also have inside access uh, to myself as well as Intel on BYU. Uh, like I said, it's a 14-day free trial, $5 a month after that, technically $4.99 a month, but uh, nonetheless, would love for you guys to be a part of it. And if you want to take advantage of that, sign up right away. All right, a couple of things uh, before we talk some BYU basketball is there's a very interesting uh, market out there when it comes to signing day, and that is when uh, you have uh, the preferred walk-on market come to bear for BYU and other football programs. I'm not saying that the Cougars have this market cornered by any means, but the one thing BYU's tried to do with their preferred walk-ons, uh, and what a preferred walk-on is, is you are guaranteed by the staff of whatever university, in this case BYU, that you will be a member of the football program for at least one year. That That's the agreement you have. You don't sign a national letter of intent. There is nothing binding between the two parties. You essentially offer up your verbal commitment, and then when you show up to school, and by the way, you also have to be able to get uh, into school of your own volition. The BYU uh, can't really help you with regards to admissions, but as long as you get into school, BYU essentially says you are going to be on our football team, and you're able to practice with us and prove what you're capable of doing. Uh, there have been a number of preferred walk-ons in recent years that have been very, very good football players and have gone on to have some pretty incredible careers. Uh, think of guys like Dax Milne. I mentioned him before the break. As he is a big, big reason why BYU had so much success in that 2020s football season. He was just so good, but he was a preferred walk-on. Uh, BYU opted. He, there were two guys, uh, him and Braden Cosper coming out of Bingham High School in the same recruiting class. BYU was in on both of them, but they thought Braden Cosper was more worthy of the scholarship for whatever reason, and they offered it to Cosper, and Cosper ended up being a pretty solid player after he was able to get past all the injuries he had for BYU. But Dax Milne over here ended up having, I'd say, a pretty... Dang good career, legendary career, as it were, and has now uh, spent three years in the NFL. That is what BYU is looking for from the preferred walk-ons. Now, not every preferred walk-on is going to work out. And by the way, there are a number of preferred walk-ons who may commit to BYU, and then suddenly a school pops up with a scholarship, and they are under no obligation to go to BYU before they enroll if they get a scholarship elsewhere. That is the other thing about this. Is it's a non-binding agreement, but it is a very, very uh, good opportunity for BYU to bring in guys who uh, they may think, okay, this is a potential diamond in the rough. They bring him in, and it's that quote-unquote low-risk, potential high reward. If you get the most out of the guy that you think you see in him as a walk-on, well, guess what? You don't have to allocate the thousands of dollars in a scholarship to him, but if he proves capable of being worthy of that scholarship, well, then you reward him at that point. That is the fun part about this. Guys like Mason Wake have come to BYU via the preferred walk-on route and gone on to have some pretty good success in their own right. There are a few guys that BYU's in on in the preferred walk-on market right now that I think BYU would do well to get all of them in the, in the program. One of them is a guy we talked about last week, and that's Laakea Kalama. Uh, he has been offered a walk-on, uh, preferred walk-on spot by Fessy Sataki. announced that on social media. Now, I've talked about Laa. He is the younger brother of Jaron Kalama, who came out of Wasatch High School and signed with BYU a couple of years ago and is currently serving a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. The biggest thing for Laa is he is not necessarily the biggest guy out there. They list him at 5'11". He's smaller than his brother, who is listed at 6'3". But the one thing I love about Laa, he's fearless. Any of you who watched the Polynesian Football Hall of Fame, uh, Polynesian Bowl, I guess I should say, 
for high school athletes. Well, Locke participated in that. And actually, I came away more intrigued with him as a defensive back than as a wide receiver where he's kind of made all of his bones during his high school career. Locke was locked down when it came to playing corner in that game. It was very, very good. And that uh, portends that if it doesn't work out, because he's currently been offered by Fessy Satake, ostensibly saying that he's going to get a chance to be a wide receiver for BYU at the outset. But if it doesn't work out on that side, could he flip over and potentially play corner or safety for BYU? Based on what I saw from that Polynesian Football Hall of Fame game, that wouldn't surprise me if he gets that opportunity to do so. So uh, I think Law would be a home run pickup for BYU if they can get him. He's got a number of FCS offers. He talked with me last fall, actually last summer, it was in like August when I talked with him on this podcast. And he said at that time he had an offer from Navy. Uh, could he decide to go the, the Naval Academy route and obviously uh, get a scholarship that way? That, that could happen. But I think this would be a very, very savvy pickup for BYU, especially considering his brother will be in the program here in the relatively near future. But uh, we'll see what happens on that front. One that I am very intrigued by that came earlier this week is Tyler West. Uh, that name is very generic, but Tyler West is a very, very productive wide receiver down in southern Utah. He had over 1,300 receiving yards, 21 touchdowns. He was also a kick returner for Crimson Cliffs. Now, Crimson Cliffs is a newcomer to the high school football ranks in Utah, but they let, they won a 4A state championship this past year. And the best part about West, he's also a sprinter. He's got legit track speed. Uh, clocked uh, most recently at a 6.9960 meter dash at the BYU High School Invitational Indoor Meet. Uh, that was like last week, I, be- I believe. He actually won first place in that. The production is absolutely incredible. 1,300 yards, 21 touchdowns. 4A is the third division down in Utah high school football, but Crimson Cliffs, that's a legit football program. And if Tyler West is as good as advertised, and those stats indicate that he's a very productive wide receiver, and if he got the legit track speed that his track numbers seem to indicate, I don't see why this is a, a, a something that BYU wouldn't offer. Now, he didn't specifically uh, say that it was a preferred walk-on offer, but I'm kind of reading between the lines on that one. He doesn't necessarily say scholarship offer. That indicates to me it's a preferred walk-on, but like this screams to me, Tyler West screams to me a guy like Dax Milne because Dax Milne, uh, his speed belied what a lot of people thought about him. And he used his ability as a wide receiver to really make a a, a name for himself, earned a scholarship, and like I said, I'll go back to it. He's now in the NFL. He's kind of the prototype of what BYU wants in a preferred walk-on. I also point to Tyler Algier as well. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, he was a former preferred walk-on and ends up as the single greatest uh, season running back-wise in BYU football history. That's an awesome, awesome story. And these walk-ons, they play critical roles for BYU. They cannot be discounted. Now, a couple other offers that have come out recently, and uh, they're, they're ones that have popped up recently, include Carson Cox. Now, I was not on, I didn't have Carson Cox on my radar, I'll admit, but I saw his uh, tweet come across. He'd been prefer, prefer, he had been offered a preferred walk-on offer from Fessy Satake, and I went and looked at his film. And he lists himself at six foot five, and this screams to me a guy like a, maybe you might recall, Taryn Houck. Uh, Taryn Houck, if I'm not mistaken, was a walk-on to, for BYU. Maybe not. Maybe he ended up being a scholarship player out from the outset. But uh, here's the thing. Taryn Houck came to BYU as just this kind of tall, lanky playmaker. And BYU wasn't sure necessarily what he was going to develop into. He ended up becoming like kind of this really solid wide tight end for BYU, inside slot receiver type, and went on to have a very productive run at BYU, all things considered. Uh, and I think a guy like Carson Cox could kind of follow in that mold. He could play tight end. It looks like with his height, because you look at six foot five. 
wow, I apologize. You at six foot five, I got the burps today, so apologies, folks. I'm, I'm I am struggling, but uh, he is uh, he moves very well for six foot five, but I don't necessarily think he has that quote unquote top end speed. Like I just talked about with uh, Tyler West, Tyler West has got that track speed that says, okay, he's going to be a wide receiver. Carson Cox. He's got good speed. He's got good athleticism. So does he come to BYU and play tight end? Or maybe he flips over and plays defensive end at some point in his BYU career. The thing about guys like Carson who are 6'5 and are just good athletes, you can bring them to BYU and make them in, into anything you want. Uh, just recently, I, I think we need to talk about this as well. I don't know how many people saw this. You probably saw it on social media. Uh Faletau Satuwala is now the top-rated recruit in all the state of Utah for the 2024 recruiting cycle. So, BYU, therefore, has signed the top prospect in the state of Utah for the first time in quite some time. And a guy like Faletau Satuwala has got the ability, I've talked about on this podcast, to play wide receiver, safety, linebacker, tight end. Depending on how his body develops at BYU, he can play a myriad of positions. Well, Carson Cox is the poor man's Faletau Satuwala, it feels like. Maybe he doesn't have the versatility to play in the defensive secondary at safety, but Carson Cox has got the ability to play on either side of the football and contribute if, if things pan out the way it looks like. So that's that's why you bring in guys like a Carson Cox. And then the and then I think that's it. That's it I got for you guys. Oh no, one other one. Uh, Kobe Brown. Now, I don't know much about Kobe Brown, and he, I just saw his name pop up right before I started recording. I actually Googled uh, preferred walk-ons, uh, and he is a guy that's actually not from in-state. All the other guys we have mentioned on this are in-state guys from Utah The BYU is, is tracking. Well, Kobe Brown, as I understand it, is from Louisiana. Now, this is interesting. Could this be the next Dom Henry? And many of you are recall that Dom Henry came to BYU after being the top wide receiver stats-wise in all of Florida. Now, Dom has since uh, transferred. He landed at F. FAU at Florida Atlantic, closer to his home there in Nice, Florida. So uh, congratulations to Dom on uh, being able to find another spot for himself. But uh, Dom came to BYU with a whole lot of uh, hoopla, and the hope was that he would develop. Now, it didn't translate to a lot of playing time. He was a spring All-American, as I like to call him, or a fall camp All-American, and really showed nice things in uh, training camps, but really never got a chance to show it on the field. Kobe Brown feels like the latest with regards to this uh, in terms of him coming potentially from Louisiana to play for BYU. I don't know if he has the same skill set of, as a guy like Dom Henry. I have to do some research on him, but seeing his name pop up and the fact that he's from Louisiana, that was the first thought I had. Is this Could this be the next Dom Henry who comes to BYU and finds a, a chance to play and maybe has more success than a guy like Dom Henry ultimately ever did in a BYU uniform? So very interesting uh, stuff, and obviously the preferred walk-on market is worth watching. We'll continue to break these down. Like, like I said, uh, maybe one of these guys ends up being a star for BYU or a solid contributor in the two-deep at minimum, but even if that's the case, that means BYU has found a scholarship-caliber guy and they didn't have to necessarily allocate a scholarship at the outset to get them into the football program. So that that's the, the payoff with regards to how it goes for BYU when it comes to this. So it's a very, very kind of touch-and-go thing. You have to be uh, kind of smart about how you allocate stuff like this, but at the same time, it can be very, very beneficial for all parties involved if it works out to the level of guys like a Tyler Algier, like a Dax Milne, like I've mentioned, uh, Mason Wake. It can be very, very good for all parties involved. All right, so there you go. Some thoughts on BYU football coming up next. We round out today's show. Full reaction, BYU and Houston. We'll get to all that next right here on Locked on Cougars. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Utah Community Credit Union. Learn and Earn, the UCCU mobile banking app, is paying your entire family to learn about money. Simple as that, my friends. You want to learn about money and make money while doing it? Well, use Learn and Earn. It's part of UCCU's award-winning Be Money Smart Youth Banking program, helping you learn about finances and doing it via games uh, like uh, 
quizzes, and trivia. The best part is it's got age-appropriate content for every member of your family. So anybody can do it anytime and earn points, and then you accrue those, and you can redeem them from gift cards to places like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and many, many more. I've told you guys I started doing this right at the New Year's, one of New Year's resolutions to take advantage of this from UCCU. I've been a UCCU member since I was eight years old, and I have uh, collected my first gift card. has been summarily already spent by my wife. I got it to Amazon, but uh, I will be uh, on my way to getting my second one here in the relatively near future. Once again, the best part is there's age-appropriate content for every member of the family. Y'all can compete against one another, track your progress on leaderboards, and then have some fun along the way. And of course, it's all available inside the UCCU mobile banking app, so you can play it literally anytime, anywhere. And of course, the more you play, the more you learn, and the more you learn, the more you earn. Once again, it's UCCU's award-winning B-Money Smart Youth Banking program with Learn and Earn, uh, helping kids, teens, and parents have fun while becoming more financially literate together. It's all courtesy of your friends at UCCU. Love where you bank. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Appreciate all of you for being with us every single day. I want to remind you guys to check out the Locked On Sports Today YouTube channel. It's your daily source, 24-7, 365 of all things uh, Locked On, our hosts, our national shows. Got you covered top to bottom. Subscribe to it wherever uh, you happen to be. Well, I said not wherever you be. Uh, wherever uh, you happen to be on YouTube. Uh, just go and subscribe to it today. Really, really fun channel. All right. BYU basketball, a tough loss to the Houston Cougars, 75-68 to is the final, and a seven-point difference doesn't necessarily do this game any justice, it feels like, in my opinion. Now, let me reiterate uh, right off the top, it's a tough loss for BYU to absorb. There's absolutely no doubt about that, because when you lose a game and drop to 2-4 and four in conference play, it's not ideal, especially when BYU has the likes of Texas coming up on Saturday. No rest for the weary when it comes to the Cougars, but they need to pick up the pieces very quickly, because they can take some solace in the fact that Houston team, if Houston shoots the ball to, like the way that they did last night, near 50% for most of the game, I know it slumped uh, down into, I think it was the 40s uh, before the game ended, 10 of 23 officially for Houston in the game from three. But if BYU uh, can avoid teams uh, shooting lights out, because Houston's not typically that good of a three-point shooting team, BYU very well may have pulled off this upset. Now, absolutely critical moments late in this game. Uh, two minutes and 12 seconds to go, Noah Waterman hits an absolutely gargantuan three-pointer. He showed up big time. Ever since having those really quiet three games to open Big 12 play. How big has the Waterman been? It's been fun to see him do his thing. Hits that three with 2.12 to go. It's 68 all and the Marriott Center was absolutely going bananas. I was having the time of my life. I love environments like that. That's why I'm in sports and why I'm a sports fan in general. And being in that environment was awesome. He hits that three. Noah Waterman ended up finishing with 17 points in this game. And it felt like, okay, if BYU can just find a way to take the lead in this game, they are going to go on to win this one. Alas, final two minutes of this game, BYU ends up going 0 of 5 from the field. And two of the looks, one from Trevin Neal above the break and the other from uh, Richie Saunders uh, down on the left baseline. Both of them very, very good looks at three. And both of them go begging. And BYU just cannot find a way. Houston makes their free throws down the stretch and gets the W. I really uh, take away from this that BYU can hang, and a couple of you reached out and had similar comments via social media, also via email. Uh, so that's the thing about this, is it was 
a game that BYU will look back on and say, okay, we had a chance in that one. We could have pulled off the upset had things gone a little differently. I know that there are going to be some of you out there who want to complain about the officiating. I was there. I watched the entire game from my perch on Media Row, and I thought the officiating was overall pretty decent. Now, the foul disparity is obviously going to irk people. I get that. But BYU did themselves no favors in many respects because I feel like BYU and a good friend, I forget who it was. I got an email last night. Uh, I'm, I'm mis, I'm mis um, remembering who it was. Uh, sent it to me. Literally, they said they were waiting in their car to get out of the parking lot. Uh, but he pointed out that BYU needs to be more willing to go to the rim and score. Dallin Hall did that last night. It was really good to see Dallin do his thing and really attack uh, and get downhill. And he went to the rim and uh, forced the action. And driving kick at times, also taking it to the rim. That one-handed jam that he had when he went right down the lane was awesome. It got the crowd going as well. That's the thing about this is that BYU had their chances in this game, but it felt like too often, too early in the shot clock, there were times BYU settling for a 40-footer. Kelvin Sampson post-game said that they're having guys like Jackson Robinson pull up and shoot from 40 feet. Why are they doing that so early in the in the shot clock? That's a unique thing about BYU. Well, it's maybe a unique thing about BYU, but it's also not advantageous in many of those circumstances. Now, if you get a guy who's absolutely on like Trevin Nell was against Cincinnati, okay, sure, you're going to let him kind of hoist it up whenever he whenever he wants, but here's the thing. Trevin Nell got hot in this game, and what happens? Guys like Jackson Robinson and Dallin Hall and uh, everybody else on the roster not named Trevin Nell start hoisting up threes. Sometimes you got to ride the hot hand, and that's one thing I think BYU is going to learn in this game. The other thing was offensive rebounding. Houston ended up with 15 offensive rebounds in this game. Every one of them felt like they were critical. Uh, Just a tough, tough scene for BYU in that circumstance. Ended up 10 of 23 from three, as I mentioned, 43.5% from three. And BYU, the foul uh, free throw disparity, I know that those are going to complain about it, but here's the thing. The way BYU plays without really going to the rim in large doses, you're not going to draw those fouls. Houston goes to the rim. They play near the rim, and they force the action. They end up with 24 free throws against 10 for BYU. BYU is one of the, I guess what I'm trying to say, they're one of the lightest free throw shooting teams in the entire country just due to the style that BYU plays. Mark Pope says that we are going to toe the line when it comes to shooting too many threes and he said that post game and I, I get why he says it because it, it's really BYU's whole identity is to hoist the three and in many respects live and die by the three. Is it an ideal situation? No, it's not. But I felt like this was a game BYU had there for the taking and had they been able to get this win, it would have really uh, engendered a lot of confidence in this team, especially when you get the W and upset a top five team. But I think at the same time, you can still take confidence from this if you're BYU because this shows you that you can hang with everybody in this conference. You've gone toe-to-toe with Texas Tech. You've now hung with number four-ranked Houston. You've played Baylor. You, you've you been in these games. You've had opportunities, and now you have a home game against Texas coming up on Saturday at noon Mountain Time. That'll be on ESPN2. And then you have a road trip out to West Virginia followed by a road trip to Oklahoma. Well, those Texas and West Virginia games on paper look far more manageable right now coming off of the back-to-back losses as weird as it sounds to Texas Tech 
Tech and Houston than they would have, I thought, earlier on in conference play. If BYU can transfer what they have played like, it's the first half against Texas Tech, and essentially this whole game against Houston. Remember, BYU battled back from not only one, but two double-digit point deficits in this game. They got down as many as 12, maybe 13 at one point, and then also battled back from a 10-point deficit just a little while later to tie up this basketball game. It was anybody's game with two minutes to go. Yes, shots went begging, and yes, you got some critical rebounding errors that you just couldn't find that uh, critical offensive rebound late in this game that would have given you that extra look at the basket. Those are things that are going to come for BYU. I, I am more bullish on BYU basketball right now, sitting at 2-4 and four in conference play, than I have been in, in, honestly, some time. After the Texas Tech loss, that was very disheartening to see BYU yak up at what was at one point, I think, a 17-point lead, 16 points at halftime. To yak up that lead was really, really tough to stomach. But this game against Houston, you literally went toe-to-toe. You uh, faced off against a team that... I'll mention it once again. If if Houston can shoot like that in the big dance, that's a Final Four contender for Houston. Now, they're already a Final Four contender, feels like, annually just due to their defense, but they need the shooting in particular. And if they shoot like they did against BYU, they got a really good shot. But BYU matched them tit for tat for most of this game, and that was awesome to see. It showed a lot of fight, a lot of tenacity. A lot of want to from the BYU basketball program, and I can live with that. I guess I'm maybe I'm in the minority. Let me know your thoughts. A couple of you uh, reached out and were uh, pointing out on social media that you pointed to the free throw disparity, the 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 three point percentage for BYU. Uh, and by the way, let me just also give a quick shout out. I met three of our listeners uh, at the game. I met Jeff Ringwood. I had a great chat with him just for a minute. Uh, Russ Grizzfather, obviously he's a famous BYU fan. Does a lot of stuff with Coog Connect. Good to meet him. And also David. We share our last name. We've been talking back and forth on social media for years now. It was good to put a name to the face or the social media profile. And I want to thank you guys. Honestly, it's fun to meet, uh, what I try to say, locked on Cougars or BYU fans in the wild. If you see me out there in the wild, I love talking to people. It drives my wife insane. She's much more of an introvert than I am. Anybody who wants to talk to me and says hello, I love it. It just makes my day. So if you see me out in the quote-unquote wild and you want to reach out and just say a quick hello or whatever, whatever, do it. I I love nothing more than meeting fans uh, of the podcast, and it's really, really, I really do appreciate the support, and it was good to meet all three, like I said, Jeff, Russ, and also uh, David uh, last night, but uh, let me get back to the point at hand is that I feel like this BYU basketball team learned something about themselves in this game, even though they lost this game. They were right there. It was coming down to the wire, and I'm, I'm, I'm just one of those games that you have the feeling. I'm sitting there on media row. You can't get the tingling feeling it with the crowd and anticipation, uh, near sellout capacity, and the, the crowd's into it. And it just felt like, had BYU been able to find a way to go ahead, whether it was via a two or a three, if they get the lead in that game, I know it's revisionist history, but it feels like to me in an alternate universe, if BYU gets that lead, they don't lose that basketball game. And we're probably sitting here talking about and kicking off the show, talking about a court storming and ESPN uh, Sports Center has got, got you on uh, national television just celebrating, watching BYU students jump over the railing there. And it was a really, really fun basketball game overall. And I learned, I, I think that BYU, they can, they can hang. They can hang with the best in the Big 12. Now, hanging with the best of the Big 12 and then finally like quote-unquote kicking down the door and punching your way uh, through and uh, getting a win, 
that's a different story, and that's got to come next for BYU. Can you do that against Texas? Get back to three and four. We'll continue to break that down. That'll come up uh, probably on our Friday edition of the podcast. Uh, we'll do a preview of that game, get you ready for that one. And uh, like I said, tomorrow on the show, uh, Connor Pay is going to be joining us. I uh, got your questions. Uh, you want to submit those? Uh, please join our subtext community. That's the way to submit your questions and obviously have your say on uh, what Connor is asked, at least in part, on that edition of the podcast. But uh, just want to say thanks again for all of your guys' support of the podcast. As I said, it was good to meet uh, Russ, uh, David, and Jeff uh, out there at the BYU game, and we'd love to meet hundreds, if not thousands more of you in the coming days, weeks, months, years, as it were, as we continue to do this podcast. But honestly, thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Appreciate all of you once again for every day is with us here on the podcast. And until tomorrow, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast.